We're bringing you another soundtrack in live this week recorded at London's BFI shortly before Christmas with the one and only Mr Tim Burton. We had an absolutely cracking night in front of a full house chatting about his long-time partnership with Danny Elfman and playing clips from Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and The Nightmare Before Christmas. As such, you'll need to use your imagination a wee bit in this episode, but the scenes we went for are so memorable and iconic, it shouldn't prove too problematic. Besides, they are, of course, all beautifully scored, so if nothing else, you can just sit back and enjoy Danny's work. And it's with Danny's work that we begin, and his cue, travel music, from their first feature film collaboration, Beetlejuice. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank Good you for socks. Having me. Thank you. Good socks. Um, it's Christmas. Exactly. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, do you ever get the chance, or do you ever like being encouraged to look back and think about what you've created up until this point? <laughs> um, yeah, but then I get scared, and that's why I've been having like a nervous breakdown for a year. Because when I start thinking about what I've done, it gets a bit scary. So <laughs> I love everything that I've done, and it's you know very important to me. So it's all, everything is a part of what you know is part of what you do. But when I look back, it's very strange. I saw footage of me at Disney at like 1980, and that really scared me because I thought, you know, I was just as weird back then as I went. You know what I mean? I was just somebody that didn't speak. Uh, I sat there and sort of drew, kind of, and hid under my desk at Disney and played volleyball for four hours during the day. And I realized that, you know, the world and all that was a very strange place in, to work and create in. Yeah. It's, it's, um, for me, it's been a, an amazing opportunity to remind myself of so many of your films because so many of them, for me, and I'm sure a lot of people in the audience were, were just really important parts of our life. And your films kind of gave us a voice in a lot of ways, I think, as well, for me personally, anyway. And we're going to show some clips of some of those films as well. But this is a music podcast and I wanted to talk to you before we start looking at clips about music in your films and you know you go back to you know I watched Vincent again today and this little brilliant six minute film and music is such a big part of even that Vincent Malloy is seven years old he's always polite and does what he's told for a boy his age he's considerate and nice but he wants to be just like Vincent Price Hey! 
He doesn't mind living with his sister, dog, and cats. Though he'd rather share a home with spiders and bats. There he could reflect on the horrors he's invented. And wander dark hallways alone and tormented. So when you started making films, music was obviously part of your dialogue with creativity. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a musician and I don't play anything, but since I wasn't really a good communicator, I always felt music was a great way, if I was a musician or even not being one, it's a beautiful way to communicate with people. So music and film, you know, I grew up on films like monster movies and things that felt more like silent films, you know, and so the look and the music and the mood of it was all part of what it was, what it was. So... Like I said, for me, music has always been like with Danny Elfman and when he's done things, it's like he's treating him like another character. He's, he's, he's a main character in the film. That's why it's, it's, it's equally, if not sometimes more important than dialogue for me. Danny Elfman is someone that you've worked with for most of your films. Well, how did you guys meet? How did that relationship start? Well, before, when I was just still a student, I used to go see his band, Oingo Boingo, in nightclubs, you know, like the <laughs> Hong Kong Cafe or Madame Wong's in Los Angeles. And I just was impressed by the, the theatrical nature of, you know, it was back in sort of new wave punk era kind of thing. They were just doing things that seemed very filmic and very um, kind of nightmare, kind of, just kind of like movies that I like. got to make Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and then I hadn't done a movie, and he hadn't really done a movie, so we felt very much in sync, you know? Kind <laughs> yeah. of like two people that don't know what they're doing, doing something, so it's great. <laughs> Kindred spirits. What did you, what were the What were the conversations though that you had then in terms of going, well, you know, you were saying you don't know what you're doing. You obviously did know what you were doing, but in terms of coming together to work together on that. I, I, I think we grabbed, because I could see him going through the same stuff I did, you know? He'd be there, you know, and we, recording music, it's, for me, is great because the pressure's off of you a little bit and you're just sitting watching an orchestra play to, your, to, to a movie and it's such a beautiful... And at the beginning, that was a beautiful thing because they, they would project the film and have the orchestra play. Now you have little monitors, but it was such a beautiful first experience. So you see a full orchestra playing to your movie and that was just beautiful. But he struggled like I did, you know, People thought, well, who's this guy, you know, one of the music guys who's called Danny, yeah, Beethoven, whatever you want, you know. <laughs> For me, he was a very kindred spirit. Well, it's that kind of thing of there's nothing wrong with with the experience being the thing that you learn from. Well, yeah, that's that's beautiful. That, that, that's what we were all doing. And that's movies are that way anyway. It's, it's such a collective kind of uh, thing where you have so many people working with you that it's, you know, that's part of the joy and part of the frustration of it, but that's part of what's beautiful about it. With, with your films, one of the things that you, you haven't done, like, 
loads and loads of is using existing music. You do it occasionally, you do it now and then, but it's yeah. not something that you rely on or do. Is that a, a conscious choice and, and why is that? No, not really. I think for me, there's certain types of things, and I think it changes from, from thing to thing. But like I said, the kind of films where they're more like fable or fairy tale or horror monster movie, the same things, that, that part of the, the music is so, like I said, it's, it, it's part of the fabric of what, what you're making. Yeah. How do you feel when you, um, we're about to start watching clips, so I just want to check how you feel about watching stuff. Well, I'm facing the, this way, so I'm fine. <laughs> um, so the first clip we're going to watch is actually is a bit of existing music, um, and, and the only example of that in, in what we're about to see. Um, and there's a we'll watch it first, and then we'll talk about it. But to be honest, I could have picked so many pieces of music from Beetlejuice, um, but I just uh, when I watched this, I just kept laughing, and it just reminded me so much of how I felt when I first watched this film. So um, we're going to watch the first clip with the um, Dale. On a boat song right now. It's cute, Delia. Daylight come and me wango. Also. Are you doing Work this? Work all night on a drink of rum. Daylight come and we want to Stack banana till the morning come. Daylight come and we want to Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come and we want to Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come Meticulously planned. Great choreography, isn't it? I uh, I love when you see Winona in the corner and she's just absolutely wetting herself laughing at that. I don't know if that was scripted or not as well, but uh, well, I mean, this is a funny movie because actually the whole movie was pretty not scripted. It was kind <laughs> of a funny movie because like the second movie I did, and and I when they offered it to me, I go like, you know, I only did one studio movie. I go like, really, the studio wants to make this, and it's like because there was no. That's why I liked it. It didn't seem like different from everything else. And so the script was very basic. And then I was just lucky to work with so many interesting... Yeah, so a lot of this stuff was kind of improv a lot of it. Wow. But the, but the song kind of has different lives throughout the film because it kind of starts with a with an element of that melody and song yeah. and then it, it yeah, reappears well, a few times. Yeah, it, it, it's not like I love that song. It's not really... <laughs> I, had it, I played in the car on the way here and back. <laughs> of, um, so... Now, so it, that's the thing about it. Like, I'm not a great 
picker of music or anything. It just had to do with the, the spirit and the feeling of it. And yeah. I think that it just had a kind of a haunted kind of a quality to it and a kind of a sunny disposition. So it just seemed to fit what, what we were going for there. Was it an easy choice, though, in terms of did you have a collection of songs that you were trying for that particular... Yeah, I think we tried a few different things, but for some reason that one just very simply stuck. And I think it stuck because it sort of surprised all of us, like, well, why did we pick that, that <laughs> yeah. one? But that, so, yeah, no, it just, for a very strange kind of like a chemistry kind of thing, just worked out that way. I'm sure there's other people in the audience like me who have reenacted that with their family at various gatherings mm. and stuff. It's yeah, especially the shrimp part. Absolutely, oh. yeah. Just chucking them across the room yeah, as well. Yeah. But um, but in particular, kind of Catherine in, in that as well. I could just watch. Yeah, that's the first time I really worked with people that were really, you know, brilliant at improv improvising and things. And it, again, for somebody who didn't communicate very well, it was really a great experience for me to... to be with those people. Do you like that? Is that something you encourage them with your with your cast? Is is to in find that particular things? case it was because they were all very good at it, Michael Keaton. They were all good at it that way. So uh, it sort of needed that, and it just needed that kind of surprise elements and just kind of riffing on things. And so it, it was a really great for me that way in working with those. And then when you speak to when Danny's then coming into, you know, kind of complement the rest of the film and, and score the rest of the film. What did you ask of him? Because it was, I mean, I could have picked so many pieces of music from this film. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's such an odd score, you know, it's hard to categorize. And I think that's what he did very well with my films is that he would do scores that w would fit, but would sort of defy a little bit of category in that way and, and try to find the right tone. You know, some of the, they had trouble playing it sometimes because the movie was very active. <laughs> so, you know, but, uh, no, but he did, you know, so he used a mixture of kind of gypsy and kind of weird different kind of ethnic things and just kind of into a mixture of what it is. It was such a treat to watch Beetlejuice again. I hadn't watched it in a, in a long time. It was it was so brilliant, um, as was Edward Scissorhands. Well, it was. A, I mean, but I've been weird, you know, lucky to have the things that you know, nobody ever thought would, you know, like like I said, who, who want? <laughs> I kept asking the studio, who you really want to make this movie because it's like they didn't really even know. 
what it was. What it was. Yeah. <laughs> but that's great because that's, I think that's what you did from the start was that you were making things that no one else was making and you kind of almost defined your own genre really in terms of it was a voice that wasn't really being heard, I think, at the time. Well, I mean, you know, I, I never thought about I was never like a, went to film school per se, you know, animation yeah. school and things. And uh, I just felt like in some weird way I lucked into it. I mean, I had passion for doing things and wanting to do things. But, you know, it, uh, I felt always very lucky to, you know, taking the weird journey I had, you know, because you know, getting my first movie, I, it was probably easier than getting the restaurant job I had gotten the year before, you know, in terms of actually getting the job. So I feel very blessed that way. With your kind of artistic background in, in drawing, do you do you storyboard everything? Do you? I did when I started. Um, then when I started working with these kind of people, that actually turned me off of doing st storyboarding everything yeah. because I found with in certain cases, so I, I do board things, we do board things, but I try to keep open because sometimes there are things that happen that, you know, you don't want to be locked in too much necessarily to a storyboard. Yeah. Can we talk Edward Scissorhands? Mm -hmm. What do you, um, what do you think of when you, when you think of that film? That's probably one of the more personal things where just that was me as a teenager and a child. I mean, that's, and that's what, for me, it was a very important thing. It was the first time I got to do something where I felt, you know, I got to explore in a sort of fable form. That's because that's I was interested in those kind of movies, like, you know, monster movies that tell you things about you in a different way. Yeah. And so that's what that attempt for me was, was to sort of describe those kind of feelings that you have as a teenager or young adult or any time in a kind of a fable form. So for me, uh, that was a very special film for me. And in terms of that sort of that relationship with, with Johnny as well and, and casting him as Edward Scissorhands, what, what did you see in him in, you know, in, in getting that part and giving him that part? Well... You know, it was all just instinct. I didn't see, I didn't, uh, I wasn't watch, uh, avid fan of 21 Jump Street. I wasn't sitting at home watching that every really? night. I didn't have his poster on my wall as a teenager, but no. Um, uh, but I just felt, I felt when I met him that he was that character because at the time he was a guy and a guy that everybody thought of him as something because he looked a certain way, but inside he's completely fucked up. I mean, he's completely different. <laughs> But my point being, you know yeah, what I'm saying? It's totally. like, yeah, yeah. It's like perception. It's like Frankenstein. To say, you know, yeah. you, you looked at one way, but you're really something else. And so, you know, just with his eyes and his soul and his emotion, that just needs something that just could convey that simply. Yeah, we're going to watch a clip from it right now. This is Edris's eyes.
such a brilliant, brilliant piece of score that over that whole. I know it's beautiful. I it's knew. gorgeous. I almost had a heart attack during that one violin solo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Because the, the music's doing a well. You tell me. Is the music doing a specific job yeah. in that scene and in this film? Yeah. Again, Danny's brilliant. He uses different kinds of forms of things all together, and you know he does it in a way. Like if you, I just wasn't listening, I was watching, listening to the music. It's just it's quite strong and it, 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 it's quite intricate and quite beautiful yeah. you know and and so that's the that's my great thing with him is that he just uses all sorts of things to create its own unique kind of thing It feels almost like it's at times it's Edward's voice yeah. in a way, you know, it's that kind of the, the joy that he's getting from what he's doing. Uh, absolutely. It's like I always say with Danny, it's like, treat it like it's a silent movie, you know, in a way. It's like, you know, let that be the thing to, to give you the emotion. Yeah. And if, if it's right. I heard you say that this was one of the hardest films to get made. Is that right? Yeah, because after like I'd done a couple movies that were successful, so and everybody thinks you're doing like Batman. Right, so you do bat, and then you go. So I, and you know, they go, oh, this is a low budget movie, you know, because you're making. So I had to tell like producer, I go, just don't tell them it's me, because th then if they didn't, we'd get a like a normal fee for something. So it, it got sort of penalized for doing successful movies, even though this one wasn't a big Hollywood movie. Yeah. So yeah, it was it's quite difficult, and I and I think I had to even because I think I had a deal at Warner Brothers, and I think I knew they didn't want to do it, so. I tried to try to maneuver it out of there because I wanted to make it. And so I said, well, I got a movie about a guy with scissors for hands or I got a big Hollywood musical. And they go, oh, we'll do the Hollywood musical, even though I didn't really have a Hollywood musical. <laughs> but uh, so then I got to go do scissor hands sort of away from that. I mean, his performance in that is just, oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely extraordinary. But when you're writing and directing a film, is it a, diff is it a different experience for you? Caroline Thompson wrote, 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 but it was my store, I thing. Mm -hmm. So, but I was lucky. I work with people like her. She did a great job, sort of inter doing it. Yeah. And actually, you know, she. That's why we connected too. She's like Danny that way. Somebody that understood this that world. So between like her and Danny, you know, they they, you try to work with collaborators that understand what what it is, obviously. And uh, in those particular cases. It was crucial that they, you know, she felt all those things. He felt all those things. I feel those things. So Yeah. You mentioned Batman. We're going to do Batman Returns, if that's okay. Care? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>
And Hugh, don't, not, just not Batman Forever. I didn't do that one. Okay. It's um, Catwoman. You get blamed for a lot of things, but don't. Yeah, we're not going there. Catwoman was just. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer. Holy yeah. shit! I I'm mean, so impressed so, by her. I know she's probably impressed me more than anybody because she let a live bird fly out of her mouth. I mean, you can't do, no, it was all safe. Yeah. But she did things that I you, nobody you know is like. It's like, like jackass or something. It's like, here, put a bird in your mouth and let it. <laughs> or she, and then she had cats attacking her. And she did the thing where it's like, I love people to do special effects without, you know, having to do special effects, like a live bird flying out of your mouth or attacked by cats and then have your eyes jolt open yeah. from white to regular. You know, that's good. On the, yeah, uh, yeah. She should she, win she, an Academy yeah. Award. <laughs> it's, um, it was really difficult to pick a piece of music from this as well because there's this there's there's all the um, but there's all the Gotham stuff there's all the kind of yeah, Batman yeah, 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 stuff yeah, yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah, of there's stuff, so much going on yeah, there. I don't know. I can't. How do you feel about sequels as well? Well, I well look, look, when I back in those days the dark ages of film right <laughs> there was no you never heard franchise or you never heard anything so you know. We did Batman, it was just kind of like, okay, you know, there's nobody in England and we had Pinewood to ourselves and <laughs> wow, this is kind of, cool, you know, great. But luckily, you never heard that. On the second time, then you start hearing, you know, franchise, you start hearing the, the terms that start to poison the environment. And uh, so I, at that time, it was lucky. Yeah. And, but, and then when I did the second one, I realized I wasn't really cut out, you know, to make a movie and please McDonald's and Happy Meals and all that shit. <laughs> what you do do, however, is these performances, like with the first film with, with Jack, with this one with Michelle, with Danny, and oh my God, he's like I've the been best. so lucky, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've been really, yeah. Shall we watch a bit of Michelle? Because this is, this is, and the way that... And the, she, she, you know, she did all that whipping stuff, and she's on high, I mean, see, it'll be really, before, again, special effects, High heels in that suit, whipping and, and doing all that stuff for real. You know, that's to it's me, that's impressive. It's the skipping bit that I love as well. Like, watch. watch this bit, yeah, okay. Batman returns. Using your pistols with your pride. Don't hurt us, lady. Our take home's less than 300. You're overpaid. Hit the road. So good. You just, you created the most amazing environment and playground for these actors to turn that round to, to, do, their, to do their best. Well, I mean, Michelle, I, like I said, I, she really impressed Because, like I said, it, there's that, and then there's all the stuff that make it look effortless, but, you know, on those heels and on those roofs and all that shit, yeah. she's incredible. 
that piece of score as well and the timing of it. So yeah. you have all these different elements. So the timing with the skip and yeah, the timing with his, the punching. His, his theme that he wrote for that her it was very painful and longing and it just it, for me that captured her very well. Yeah, that kind of almost like kind of cat yeah, noise, cat. isn't it? It's like, it's like when I used to torture my cats. <laughs> I don't do, I, no animals were harmed ever with me ever. Yeah. What were the conversations that you you had with with that? Well, again, it's the same. It's the same thing. I I, I mean, I try to give him. And it's like the scene where she comes back in her apartment and goes crazy. I love that sequence too because, again, that's that's the way with music all the way. But in particular cases, in these, that particular case, it captures her a hundred percent. I love that when she gets rid of the neon and it's hell here. Yeah, it's so clever. You know that that, and that's where Danny's good. He captured the emotion of of what she's going through in in, in a real way. Um, talking of emotion, one of the most emotional scenes for me in your films, all your films, one of is the end of Big Fish. I love that scene. Just you know, as he's kind of well, well, we'll have a look and then we'll talk about it. This is um, just beautiful. Goodbye. Why did you um why did you want to make big fish what was the connection that you had or that you 
that you made with the story and, and what you wanted to tell? Um, well, simply my dad died. <laughs> and it was slightly similar in a funny way in the sense where I didn't really know him that well and that kind of connection was sort of similar. And you know, other people knew more about it. So it was very thematically very powerful for me. And so it just, I think that's something that hit me at, the, at that time. I, I've never, I don't think, been able to make that without experiencing that. Do you think that that's, you can say that about all your films in a way and that there's something, no, but that there's something personal. I could have never done Beetlejuice. I've had none and experienced it. <laughs> but within most, there's always a personal, I guess, connection to something yeah. within the story or yeah. the theme. Yeah, always absolutely. The even no matter what it is, I have to find that yeah. for me, even if it's abstract or nobody else can see it. You know, it's something that is definitely important to me. I have to find a, some emotion in it that, means something to me, yeah. even if it's cryptic or whatever. Did, um, was it an easy score to, to, to get Danny to, to... Well, no, well, yeah, no, but he, you know, again, he, again, what he's very good at is like I can have conversations, but it's like, okay, this is it, and the simplicity, it needed to have the kind of emotional simplicity of the story as well, and not just try to support it and not over, overdo it. he normally come on board with a project is it different for each project or yeah yeah with this one uh, yeah I, I try not to i mean like some like nightmare things right from the beginning mm -hmm. you know and, or some of the animated things but uh i usually let you know we have a conversation come visit set we talk abstractly about things and and but then he sees some stuff and then he's just like i said that's why we connect he's a kindred spirit that way yeah I got my kids to pick the next one because I couldn't pick which song I wanted to play from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. My outfit is, however, influenced by one song, <laughs> not the one we're going to see. Did you have fun making this film? Because it's so much fun to watch. Well, it was, it was in a weird way because I hadn't been back to Pine, you know, so went back there and so we got to shoot, the, we made the Chocolate River on the James Bond set, which was, you know, people going, what kind of a fucking James Bond is this when the chocolate, <laughs> what the fuck is going on? This is a one weird James Bond villain or whatever. So. Contaminating our waters, what's he doing? So, no, it was, it, it was, um, yeah. Danny had a job and a half on this one, though. Yeah, well, you know, we tried to <laughs> do our thing and do, keep in the spirit of our, and that's what I liked about, you know, when you read the book, it's songs, are, they're like songs, and yeah. so, rather than just print it, so we just felt like that would be a fun way to, to experience those things. But it's his voice, he does all, yeah, the, yeah. it's his oh, multi-tracked yeah. yeah, and yeah, pitched yeah, and, yeah, and all that. Yeah. yeah that's him, a, him and Deep Roy were very busy on that film. Yeah. <laughs> you know. It's, I mean, yeah, how did he do it though? Yeah, just I, I, see, that, that reminded me back of what we used to do with Oingo Boingo. You know, that, so it, it, for both of us, it was kind of fun to go because I go like, okay, the squirrels. Okay, well, what about like a, <laughs> an Abba-esque one with this? Because I hate squirrels, and it's like, <laughs> I love Abba. 
I don't know. It's a mixture of things. Well, that's the, I, I, I read that every, all the, the song, the big pieces are all different genres of like musical theatre almost in a way. So each yeah. one has a different genre connection to yeah. it. Yeah. So it was fun. That was fun, you know. And, and yeah, so, you know, so he did the score and then he often did these songs. But it kind of reminded me when he did Nightmare or Corpse, but where, you know, you get to do some songs within the score. And then when you're on set shooting that, are the songs already done that you're... Yeah, they're, they're you know, roughed in. I mean, they would go back and do some record. But yeah, no, we, that, that, that's fun. You know, it's like when I did things where you actually doing music to it, like that, or like in Sweeney Todd, where you're actually doing... It's really fun. You like that? Yeah. More musicals? Yeah, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, we're going to watch um, Augustus clip if that's all right with you and um, just because it's it's so much fun and um, we will i would say we watch this film at least once a month they <laughs> flip and love it and um, so let's take a look at it right now still watch that and go how did you do it how did you do yeah, it well yeah <laughs> ask yourself that yeah, question i saw a lot of deep roy that's all i can <laughs> tell you right there. and I, I love doing those different musical things they really gave it you know a great energy all the different genres does he like that challenge then you know when yeah, you yeah, could yeah, yeah? yeah that that was a perfect that was a good one because it had the score but then it had these other things and you know, we, we all love Roald Dahl and we like the spirit of him, so yeah. that connected it as well. Um, we're coming on to our last clip, um, and it's apt because we're coming close to Christmas that we're we're going to talk about Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, and this wonderful character, Jack, that has, you know, he's where, where did he start? Because he feels like he's been present and was present through so many of your films up until the point where he... So it started as a sketch, but then, you know, it, it really had to do with growing up loving well, stop motion from Ray Harryhausen and things. So I, all my loves of things like, and I love Halloween, and I love the, the Rankin and Bass uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer I used to watch as a child every Christmas, you know. So there was the, and the Grinch, you know, there were the Christmas classics that were just sort of kind of seasonal things. So, I, you know, stop motion had this idea, character, mixing Christmas. And so for me, it was like a poem. So I wrote it like Nightmare Before Chris, Night Before Christmas and that kind of thing. I wanted to do it as a children's book, all that. And then, um, so I just developed it in my 
Power Dungeon at Disney, and they didn't know. So <laughs> they didn't luckily, know you were doing it. And so it's something I did while there, but they didn't know about it. And so they, at ten years later, they go, "Okay, well, we'll do it." Um, but they didn't really, yeah. You know. So I got lucky to do it, you know. And it was a kind of low budget thing. They didn't really want to do it. Um, and look what's where well, it is yeah. Now. And it started out to be. I mean, I never, I never forget this. They go like. Um, there's a touchstone, which means like just buried. <laughs> um, and I remember uh, them going, the thing we were talking about, they weren't going to put out a trailer for it. We were going to put a TV ads. They weren't going to put out a trailer because the main character doesn't have any eyes. You can't really show a trailer. So they weren't even going to put out. So it was a, it was a troubled production uh, in the sense where they didn't really want to do it, but they allowed us to do it. And then it sort of took on a life of its own after a while because it, you know, it wasn't really that, you know, they didn't really know what to do about it. Yeah. What's, what's for you is the, do you get a different experience, obviously, to, on a physical side of working on a, an animated film as opposed to a, a live action film and stuff, but what do you love about animation? What's the... Well, stop motion in particular, because, like I said, I grew up, the first movie I saw was Ray Harry, you know, like Jason the Argonauts. So that form of animation had a lot of impact on me. And like I said, even the Rankin and Bass Rudolph or certain TV stop motions had a power for me. Yeah. And that's why I sort of held out to do it, you know, instead of doing cell animation, wanted to do it uh, in that form because it felt like the, the characters and what it was about, it just needed that dimension and kind yeah. of crude, simple beauty that stop motion can, can give you. But then you also, with it as well, have created this style of character and personality that's very much your style in terms of you know you 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 could see a flash of a character from from it and or frank and we whatever and it's you know it's you because you've you've got your own style in terms of drawing and animation was that something you've always had or did you work on well no i, I mean i guess so i mean i you know my my time at disney i was not really a good anim so i i didn't fit into the disney mold and it was at a time where i got lucky to just be able to draw things for a couple of years just none of it ever saw the light of day but i was had still had the opportunity to sit there and draw, you know, yeah. for minimum wage, but still it's better than nothing, uh, and it was great. And so I, um, I loved that, but so I, I created a lot of things that never I knew never would be Disney and never be, even though I was working there, uh, and they liked that for a while, and then, but 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 like I said, bottom line is I was lucky enough to do these things, you know, from yeah. the Vincent short film or yeah. Frank Wayne or Nightmare, you know, whatever the journey was, I, it's been lucky to to be able to do it. With Nightmare, did you always know that that music was going to feature heavily in it? That it was always going to be a yeah, musical animation. Yeah, it's like a holiday special. You know, it's like yeah. a holiday. It's like you know, again, you, you must have seen Rudolph. You know, <laughs> silver and gold. You know that shit. Yeah. Rudolph the Red Nose. Yeah, that's part of Chris. Or even the Grinch had. So, you know, so yeah, those songs was always I I integrated. That's why Dan before, as I was writing the script. I think I had Danny come in. Danny was one of the first collaborators. Even I was work, we were working together on that before we even started to develop the script. Wow, amazing! Right, we're going to watch some from it now. Boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to see something strange? Come with us, and you will see this our town of Halloween. This 
see it in its entirety it's shown here next weekend and on the 22nd of december here at the bfi so what a wonderful thing to do just before christmas as well um before we finish thank you so much for being here first thank of all thank you um, thank you for coming everybody now i asked you to pick a film so that we could play something for our audience. We've got someone to show them in 35 mil as well, which oh, is Oh, good, nice. okay. Oh, actual yeah. film, great. Actual film. Um, Excellent, good. So why did you pick this, first of all? Well, because, I don't know, maybe maybe it shows, I, it's a film that's never really seen much, and it, unlike Nightmare, it was another touchstone classic that <laughs> remained a touchstone classic. Um, so it's like, I don't really like talking about it, but for me, it's another personal one where it feels like, I don't like talking about myself, but if you want to know anything about me cryptically, it's in this movie. Ed Wood. Ed Wood, everybody. Um, yeah, I to see you, but so, <laughs> whatever. Um, thank you well, so thank much you for being much. here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so thank much. Thank you so Please much. put your hands together Thanks. for Mr. Tim Barton. Beware of the big green dragon that sits on your doorstep. He eats little boys, puppy dog tails, big fat snakes. Beware, take care. Beware. Wait! String! Pull the string! From the score to Edward, that's Beware by Howard Shore, featuring the dulcet tones of Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi. Running off this latest episode of Soundtracking with the fabulous Mr. Tim Burton. My huge thanks to Tim for taking the time to join us at the BFI out of promo season two. We know he is not the most comfortable in front of a live audience, so we appreciate him taking the time and also just being so wonderful. Uh, And thanks to all of you who came. We can't thank you enough for the support that you show us. Uh, If you want to watch our chat, then we're going to stick Tim and I chatting at the BFI up on our YouTube channel. So make sure you get up there and subscribe so that you get an alert every time we put up some new piece of footage up there. Keep up to date with all future events by following us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. In fact, next month, we head up to Glasgow once again for the Glasgow Film Festival. Last time we were there, we were joined by the fabulous Lynn Ramsey. 
Uh, for more details about how you can get tickets, just head to Glasgow Film Festival on socials for all tickets and stuff like that. If you're new to the podcast and want to find out who else we've spoken to, head to edithbowman.com or your preferred podcast provider. And please do get subscribing whilst you are there. We'll be back next week with more chat around film and the wonderful music that accompanies it. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Thank you.